Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this edition of News in Focus is your host, Chris Long. And we're glad that you're with us on this edition of News in Focus. We're going to continue our candidate forum series with the U.S. Senate candidate forum tonight with uh, two of the gentlemen that are running in the March 19th primary for the U.S. Senate here in Ohio. The winner of that race, of course, will face off against Sherrod Brown in November, the Democrat that is currently holding the seat. But I want to tell you about our Ohio Christian Alliance Freedom Banquet coming up next week on February 22nd, and there's still time to register for this exciting event. We are going to have a candidate forum there live at the Freedom Banquet at 6 p.m. Again, it will be the U.S. Senate candidates and also those running in the 13th Congressional will be part of that candidate forum. We'll be recognizing candidates running for office that night. And, of course, our keynote speaker is Bill Fetter of the American Minute, who will be talking about socialism from Plato to the present and what we're all wrestling with right now in our current culture. Well, without any further ado, let's introduce our first guest in tonight's candidate forum. His name is Bernie Marino. He is a Cleveland businessman, and he has been making his way around Ohio talking to the various uh, county leadership and uh, community groups all across our state over the last year and a half and making his um, claim for the U.S. Senate primary race. And, Bernie, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I'm just going to start out right away with the first question. Why are you running for U.S. Senate? I'm running for the U.S. Senate, Chris, because I'm sick and tired of uh, job-seeking career politicians that are going to D.C. for the best job they could ever have in their life, make themselves wealthy, make themselves famous, and not do the job of the people. Uh, they've let this country uh, down. They're taking this country off a cliff. We're $34 trillion in debt. We have uh, instability all over the world. We have an assault on American energy, an assault on American values, and I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of voting for Republicans that tell me one thing when they're running, and then they do something completely different when they get to Washington, D.C., so my choice, uh, Chris, is either to complain about it or get into the fight. And you either write the book or you read the book. And if I'm just reading it, I can't complain about the way it ends. So I've decided to take my life, put it into a blender, and uh, go there to serve my country. And I have the honor of being elected. Uh, my plan is to serve two terms and then come home. Well, you've been busy, obviously, over the last several decades. You've run a number of businesses. You have a story of how you and your family came to this country. Let's talk about that for a minute. My mom and dad so uh, brought me to America. It was the greatest gift they ever gave me. It was giving me the opportunity to come to this country. I'm the youngest of seven, Chris. My mom, my, my, uh, my dad was one of 11, and my grandfather was one of 23 kids. So to your audience who's wondering if I'm Catholic, we're overperforming Catholics. <laughs> and when we came here, we came to South Florida. That's where I grew up. I saw my dad leave uh, a very good life in Colombia for a very, very different life here in America. He was making $5.25 an hour as a surgical assistant. My mom eventually got her real estate license. Both of them became very successful, but it didn't change my life. My mom and dad made us work from the moment we were 12 years old. If we wanted to go out with friends or go to the movies or uh, buy something, we had to go work for it. That was the ethic that she put into us. Uh, never gave us a cent other than a great education and a loving household. And that's the way I was raised. That's the way the seven of us were raised. And what I see today, Chris, in this country is a deterioration of the American work ethic, the deterioration of the idea that merit is what matters. And most uh, awful of all is this country continues, Chris, continues to reward people who come into this country illegally. And it's very, very, very insulting to those of us who follow the legal process, who went through the right way to watch this country continue to do that. That's one of the main things we're going to stop when I get to D.C. in January of next year. Well, you brought up the southern border, so I'm going to go there with our line of questioning. Uh, due to the federal government's lack of response to the crisis on the southern border in recent years under the Biden administration, Governor Abbott of Texas has deployed the Texas National Guard to put up barriers and razor wire to stop the flow of illegals crossing the southern border. Do you support Governor Abbott's efforts? In the second part of that question, what is your opinion, in your opinion, what needs to happen to the nearly 9 million illegals that have entered illegally in the United States in the last three years alone? 
we have to deport any human being that's in this country illegally. Uh, there could be zero path to amnesty. This is a very important point because both of my opponents and Sherrod Brown believe that we should have amnesty. Now, what they'll tell you is that amnesty means no citizenship or no government benefits. That's totally and completely false. Amnesty is rewarding them by allowing them to stay here. We must have what President Trump calls the largest deportation effort in American history. These are people who are not vetted. We have no idea who they are. We know, we know where they are. We don't know what their intentions are. And if we step into the realm of giving any of these illegals amnesty, all we're going to do is continue to encourage this level of illegal immigration. And quite frankly, Chris, I don't call it a crisis. It's, I've called it this for the last two years. It's an invasion of our country. What's happening in Texas, I don't blame the governor for doing what he's doing. But let's be honest, he shouldn't have to do that. The federal government has the tools at its disposal to stop this invasion, and they're choosing not to do it. Over the weekend, we saw the United States Senate uh, give another $114 billion to foreign countries and do absolutely nothing about ending this, uh, this invasion of our country. This is it's disgusting. Our leaders are, uh, I can't say it any other way, it's treason what they're allowing to happen to our country. We're under, uh, we're under siege. Uh, it's a matter of time whether something very, very bad happens here in this country. We saw that 9-11. And I pray that, uh, that we get to January 2025 quickly enough that we can start stealing and securing the border and get these deportations going so that we can get security back into this country. Well, since Governor Abbott put up the razor wire and the barriers, and he's building a wall, actually, uh, it seems as if they haven't, they're not passing over Eagle Pass right now in Texas, but rather they have shifted, the cartels have shifted their strategy, and they're now doing the uh, passage across the border in California again. Uh, what, do you, what do you make of that just uh, in the last uh, week? So, Governor, like you said, Governor Abbott's doing all that he can. He shouldn't have to. The federal government could stop it. But the aid and abetting by the NGOs and by the government giving to the NGOs to assist these illegals coming over and giving them uh, just a, a blank card of, uh, of um, what do they call that, um, the, the way that they enter the United States, and it's like, oh, oh asylum. asylum. Yeah, yeah they're just yep. giving across-the-board asylum. Well, this, these aren't asylum seekers. It, it used to be that they had to wait in Mexico until their case was adjudicated, whether they were uh, officially, they, they qualified for an, as an asylum seeker under the Trump administration. That's not what's happening now. Your thoughts? Well, absolutely. And also, remind you and your listeners, we had had Mexico search 27,000 Mexican troops to the border. Uh, Biden got rid of that, which is insane. We weren't paying for that. The reality is, uh, if you're seeking asylum, you got to come in through a designated port of entry. If you come into that port of entry, you have to stay in Mexico or Canada until your cases are just like you said. And if you come in the illegal way, through over the wall, across uh, a river, whatever, you are immediately returned. You don't get detained. You don't get arrested. You don't get a, uh, a ankle bracelet that we had in that bill for $1.3 billion for ankle bracelets. We immediately return you, make certain that the Mexican military understands that those people have uh, broken American laws and they should deal with those people so they don't come back. This is how you end it. The other thing is you finish the wall. The Border Patrol agents have been crying for the, for the wall to be finished. They know it's important. They know it works. But what Biden has done and what the Democrats have done is fueled a multi-billion dollar drug and sex trafficking operation, unlike anything else in human history in modern human history. And that is all on the hands of people like Joe Biden and Sherrod Brown and these radical open border Democrats. In New York City, uh, the immigrants have been uh, shipped there and also in Chicago. And there's a big uh, processing center at O'Hare Airport where there's illegals. And that was discovered by Keith uh, O'Keefe. Um, he, James O'Keefe, he basically did an expose on that. Uh, so the illegals are here. They're here in Ohio, uh, the Springfield, Ohio. The um, county commissioners down there said we're overrun. Uh, the demand on county services have exceeded our budget because of the illegals that are the immigrants that are coming to our community. But this is happening throughout Ohio. People are noticing uh, these illegals, and they're all military age men from various nationalities, uh, from Africa, from uh, China, and other places. So it's not just from 
South America. What what do you make of all this? It's a national security threat. We don't know who these people are, what their intent is, and why are they all military age? Well, like I said, like I said, Chris, it's an invasion of this country, and I can make no mistake about this because this is politics, and people are very deceptive. They have a great way of twisting words. Uh, both of my opponents are in favor today of giving these people amnesty, which means allowing them to stay here. One of my opponents that's going to be on with you shortly said you can't take 20 million consumers out of our marketplace. Chris, America's not a marketplace. America is a sovereign nation with a culture, with a history. We are not a, a, a place where Walmart can sell products. Uh, we have to get rid of anybody who's not here legally. And I say that as a legal immigrant. And the fact that my opponents are still today, even after what we've seen over the last three years of this invasion of our country, as you just described, even contemplating the idea of amnesty and then trying to uh, do the politic shuffle and say, well, that means no government benefits or uh, no citizenship. Well, that was never on the table. That it would just be lunacy. And by the way, no government benefits is a fallacy, Chris, because as you know, if an illegal immigrant walks into a hospital in America, we're going to treat that person. And who's paying that bill? We're paying that bill. If they go into a, a, a food food uh, bank, we're paying that bill. If they go into a shelter, we're paying that bill. If they get into an accident on the road because they're driving, we pay that. Auto insurance rates climbed just 21% just this year. All of that is a result of this illegal immigrant crisis. We're seeing 9.6 million people that have crossed into this country. If you don't call that an invasion, what do you consider an invasion? Well, this is a hot topic because we asked uh, from our listeners and contacts to send in questions, and that's what came up the most, is the illegal immigration that's happening at the southern border, the invasion, and about deportation. Uh, You know, folks are very concerned of what's happening, and they see their tax dollars being spent on this, as well as the war in Ukraine. And the the runaway spending in Washington over the last number of years, $34 trillion in national debt, uh, Bernie, and... uh, Inflation is just off the charts. In fact, uh, here's a report here. Private wages are, are growing half the pace of inflation. Only government wages are surging at the same time of this really high inflation rate. Now, the government uh, put out numbers and said, hey, good news. Inflation isn't growing as fast as it was. It's like, well, it's it's out of sight as it is. It's like, but our wages never caught up. So where's the good news? I mean, it's unbelievable the way that the uh, propaganda media will uh, go ahead and peddle what Washington's selling. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, this is a government takeover of the economy. Uh, this is not new in human history. You see that in communist, socialist, Marxist countries all over the world where the government becomes the largest part of the economy. When Reagan left office in 1989, the federal government was about 8% of the gross domestic product. Today, it's 38%. Oh, boy. 38% and climbing. Chris, when that gets to 50% plus one, we are now going to go into a fast slope where we just become a government-controlled entity where the entire U.S. economy is just the government. Uh, This is what they want. This is not by accident. This isn't dumb policies or the things that aren't working. They're working exactly the way they want it to work. And what we don't have in D.C., Chris, is Republicans who have the backbone to actually stop this. There is no question in my mind, and the reason I'm running, is because both of my opponents would be get-along type Republicans that would have voted for that bill yesterday. They would have gone along with this madness of sending $114 billion to foreign countries. Uh, They say it. You have to just listen very carefully. They'll say things like, well, the greatest nation on earth can can walk and chew gum at the same time. That's code for we can send your money to foreign countries. That's what that means, to fund an endless war because special interest groups tell them exactly how to vote, exactly what to say, and exactly how to act. Uh, Because, again, Chris, it goes to my beginning principle. They care more about getting and keeping and having that job than anything else. And that fundamental fact is what's got to change. That's why I'm so proud that I've been endorsed by President Donald J. Trump. He endorsed me in mid-December. Jim Jordan's endorsed me. Warren Davidson's endorsed me. Max Miller. We have 15 uh, of United States senators have endorsed me. Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, Marco Rubio, uh, Tommy Tuberville. The most conser- Mike Lee, the most conservative United States senators have all backed my race. None of them, no sitting senator, 
has backed either one of my opponents. That should tell you everything you need to know. We're talking with Bernie Marino. He is a candidate for the U.S. Senate on the March 19th primary. Uh, next week is the voting registration deadline. If you need to update your voting registration, you can do so. Uh, so you need to get that done before the deadline of February 20th because early voting begins and the March 19th primary is quickly approaching. Uh, you brought up about foreign, foreign spending, and right now in Washington— the Democrats in the Senate have put together, a, again, another aid package to Ukraine, along with some other things, but nothing for the southern border. President Biden has urged the Republican leadership in the House to pass this bill. Uh, we've already spent $100 billion, more than $100 billion, on Ukraine. What is your position on continued funding for Ukraine? My position has been the same as it was last year, a uh, year ago, even before I started my Senate campaign. The reality is we should be pushing towards a peaceful settlement of this, understanding it should never, ever have happened. It would not have happened if President Trump was in office. It happened because of Obama's weakness, Biden's weakness. we got to get to a peaceful settlement of this crisis. The reality is Putin's a bad guy. Uh, Ukraine is certainly the one that was invaded, and is, is uh, Russia is wrong here. But we have to get to a peaceful settlement. A hundred-plus billion dollars hasn't done anything other than to keep this this uh, draw that has cost hundreds of thousands of European uh, lives. So are we going to fund with it? What's another $60 billion going to do other than more deaths, more killing, and make it almost impossible for us to, to end, this, end this war? Uh, Russia is going to win. Uh, there's, there, unless we went in there with massive U.S. military force, the Ukrainians have no ability to win this war. We have to get to peace, Chris. The average age of the Ukrainian fighter today is 43 years old. We are not going to uh, accomplish anything with $60 billion other than more deaths of more Eastern Europeans. Let's get to a peaceful settlement. Ukraine remains a, obviously a sovereign nation. We break the China-Russia alliance, and we don't continue to send our money, our hard-earned taxpayer dollars, to foreign countries. We have a lot of need here, Chris, in America. And let's be strong at home. Let's shore up our economy. Let's get our house in order before we start trying to fix everybody else around the world's problems. We talked about inflation. Uh, right now, the middle class cannot afford housing because of the rate of inflation on housing has gone skyrocketed. Uh, builders aren't building. Banks aren't lending. They're requiring more of a sizable down payment. What would you say to those younger voters out there that are uh, just putting together uh, their marriage and their family and they're looking to buy a home, the American dream? And right now, it seems to be uh, falling farther and farther away as an obtainable goal. What are your thoughts on that? Stop voting for Democrats. Uh, it's going to cost you a lot of money to vote for Democrats. Uh, they're going to take the American dream away from you. They want to control you. They want to have you work for the company that they want you to work for, for and the way that you want to work, uh, living the way they want you to live, driving the kind of car they want you to drive. Don't be controlled by the Democrats. Uh, these are people who do not have your interest in mind. Uh, the Republican Party is a party of liberty and freedom the party of the real American dream, which is the idea that you go to high school, you can have a good job, you can afford a home and a car and raise a family in a safe community, and send them to good schools and retire debt-free and have a government that isn't intrusive in your life. That's the American dream, Chris, that I'm fighting for in Washington, D.C., to recenter the Republican Party around. And young people need to take a look at re the Republican Party. The Democrats are stale. They're old. They're tired ideas. Uh, we're the ones that are going to give you the freedom and liberty to live the life you want to live and be able to afford uh, the things that I just laid out. When President Trump was in office, if you made $60,000 a year, you could afford a home in Ohio. Today, it's $114,000, thanks to the policies of Joe Biden and Sherrod Brown. We will turn that around. We will make sure the American dream, as I just laid out, is accessible to all Ohioans. That's what this campaign is going to be about. We're talking with Bernie Marino. He is a candidate for the U.S. Senate in the March 19th primary. And again, uh, you need to update your voter registration if you need to do that. Uh, next Tuesday, February 20th, is the deadline to do that by. So you can uh, go to the Secretary of State's website or to your local Board of Elections to make sure that your voter registration is updated. You can also search online through your local Board of Elections. You're listening to the News and Focus broadcast of the Ohio Christian Alliance. And we're 
happy to bring these educational forums to you so that you can hear from the candidates themselves as to where they stand on the issues. Uh, Bernie, as we talk about, uh, you know, a number of issues here, abortion comes to mind because last year in Ohio, issue one did pass by uh, a, a large margin of those who have passed it. Many say that Ohioans really didn't know all of what they were voting for. They're going to find out. But we have the worst abortion laws in the country right now because of the passage of the constitutional amendment uh, by the radical left, which was called reproductive rights. Uh, They won the messaging war, but we have the worst abortion laws. Late-term abortions now legal in Ohio. All the pro-life reasonable laws that we have seem to be challenged or off the books because of the passage of Issue 1. It will be worked out in the courts. What is your position on abortion? Well, Dobbs returned the question to the states, uh, and the states, uh, the voters in those states primarily are the ones that are going to make that decision. Uh, But I would say this, uh, Chris, uh, at a federal level, let's put policies in place that make it less expensive to have a kid, less expensive to raise kids, uh, make sure that women have access to good health care options, make sure that women have access to contraception, make sure that we fund pregnancy centers and don't send a dime to Planned Parenthood or abortionists. That's that's absolutely should be off the table. It was a bipartisan consensus for a long time that we did not do that. But these uh, leftist lunatics uh, have gotten so radicalized that they now believe that we should fund abortions with federal tax dollars. We should be at absolute zero. Let's make sure adoption services are more available. And let's work towards a 15-week floor where after 15 weeks, you have some common sense restrictions that we eliminate elective late-term abortions in this country. And by the way, Chris, that would put us in line with even the most liberal country in Europe. Now, states, of course, can be more restrictive, but as a federal standard, I think that is more than reasonable to say, hey, after 15 weeks, there has to be uh, some common-sense restrictions on abortion. And I think that's something that we can get consensus around, and that's what I'm going to work to do when I'm in the United States Senate. We have a few minutes left. As you've been traveling around Ohio and talking to all kinds of Ohioans uh, all the way around the, the state, what are the concerns of voters as they talk to you? Number one is the border. Uh, number two is inflation. Number three is this idea that we're, we're set, we keep uh, having these problems because these, career, these job-seeking career politicians keep letting us down. They're just sick of it. They're sick of the double talk. They're sick of the people who say one thing and do another. We've enabled enormous amounts of bad behavior in politics, Chris, if we're just really honest about it. We have people that get elected for one position, immediately run for another one, campaign for a different position while getting paid to do the job that they're supposed to be doing. That's nothing that would be allowed in the, in the private sector. You could never imagine if you worked in the private sector and you, worked, and you went to work for a company as, as an you know, uh, whatever position you had in that company, and if you were actively spending most of your day looking for another job, how long do you think you'd stay there before you got fired? An hour? Two hours a day? Yet in politics, we allow that. We just think, oh, that's normal. We have to stop treating these politicians differently than they're treated in the normal uh, non-political world and stop enabling bad behavior. We have to hold them accountable. We have to call them out when they're lying, when they're doing double talk. And, uh, and make sure that we ask them tough, hard questions that are very specific. These are people who are trained professionally on how to avoid tough questions. And we've got to make certain that we ask those tough questions and make them answer them and put them on the record. Very good. Uh, in closing, how do people follow your campaign? Give us the website and how f- folks can follow along. So my website is berniemarino.com, M-O-R-E-N-O.com. They can sign up. They can contribute. We have over 5,000 individual contributors from every county in Ohio, Chris. My opponents have like a fraction of that. Uh, we are building a grassroots campaign. We've been endorsed by 10 of the 10 county parties that have endorsed. Uh, we have uh, absolutely uh, an unbeatable grassroots organization. We have more endorsements by a factor of many, many times versus my opponents. We've outraised them, plus, on top of that, put in my own dollars. Uh, we're committed to win this primary. Uh, this is what I'm called to do, Chris, and we're going to go down to D.C. And come January 2025, we're going to turn this country around. And I don't want your listeners to be in despair. All we're right, Bernie Marino, thank you so much for being my guest today. 
And then, folks, you can actually uh, be with us next Thursday night at the Freedom Banquet. Bernie will be there. Again, these uh, broadcasts are brought to you for informational purposes only. The Ohio Christian Alliance does not endorse or support uh, any uh, political party or candidate, but we bring this to you as an educational platform. Thank you for joining us today. We'll be right back after these messages. This is Chris Long, host of News in Focus, announcing my new book, For Their Honor, How the D-Day Prayer Was Added to the World War II Memorial. This book tells the 11-year story of how one of the largest mass prayers in history was added to the World War II Memorial. The D-Day Prayer was one of FDR's fireside chats, but it stands alone as an incredible moment in American history. The date was June 6, 1944. Operation Overlord, the D-Day invasion of Western France, was already underway by the Allied nations. News reports throughout the day were released from General Eisenhower's headquarters with short statements but with few details on what was happening with the landings and on the beaches of France. The American public anxiously awaited throughout the day to hear from President Roosevelt for more details on the historic invasion. What they heard that evening was a president inviting them to join him in prayer. This book will inspire and encourage your faith You can order yours today at Amazon or Barnes & Noble. You are invited to an incredible evening of information, inspiration, and motivation as the Ohio Christian Alliance presents their annual Freedom Banquet and this year a Senate Candidate Forum all in one evening. It's Thursday, February 22nd at the Hilton Akron Fairlawn in Akron, Ohio. Get your reservations now at ohioca.org, ohioca.org. America is kept safe because the Army National Guard responds, protects, and supports our nation when it needs them most. The Army National Guard responds to disasters such as wildfires and floods. They protect us with missile defense, cybersecurity, and civilian support teams for chemical, biological, and radiological hazards. Be there for your community and your country. Visit NationalGuard.com to learn more about part-time service. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. And we're back with a continuation of our Senate Candidate Forum, this time with uh, Secretary of State Frank LaRose, who's running for U.S. Senate in the March 19th primary. Secretary, welcome to be on the program. Well, thank you so much, Chris. Great to be back and really looking forward to the conversation. Well, thank you. I'm just going to start right out and ask why you're running for the U.S. Senate. No doubt we have a country to save. Uh, You've heard me talk about this. When I was 18, I made a commitment that this country is so precious that it's worth dying for. I enlisted in the Army at 18 years old. Well, I believe this country is so precious it's worth dying for. There are a few things that are, your faith, your family, this country, that are so precious you'd risk your life for them. We're in danger of leaving this country weaker and poorer and less secure than we found it if we don't act quickly. Uh, The left is doing things to remake this country into something that many of us wouldn't recognize. And I just can't stand by and and allow that to happen. Uh, We're going to put this country back on track. It starts with beating Sherrod Brown, who is a far left member of the U.S. Senate, doesn't represent our values, but he also um, is the one standing in the way of us taking back the Senate majority. If we can beat him this November, and I sincerely believe that I can, then we can take control of the U.S. Senate, put conservatives back in charge there, and not only help get good policy done, but make sure that we're there to support President Trump. I believe he'll be in the Oval Office in 2025, and and he's going to need allies in the Senate. Um, I'm the one that can get that done, and that's exactly what we're working on doing. We asked a number of our uh, supporters overnight to send us questions of what they wanted to ask uh, you and your opponent, Mr. Marino. And what came up most often was the concern about the southern border. In fact, due to federal government's lack of response to the crisis at the southern border, Governor Abbott of Texas has deployed the Texas National Guard to put up barriers and razor wire to stop the flow of illegals crossing over the southern border in Texas. Do you support, this is a two-part question, do you support Governor Abbott's efforts? And number two, what, in your opinion, needs to happen to the nearly 9 million illegals that have already entered the United States illegally over the last three years? 
Well, last question first. They need to be deported. No question about it. If you don't enforce a law, it's not a law. It's a suggestion. And if you have come into our country illegally, you're not welcome here. Uh, we, we do welcome people that come legally and want to strive and be, you know, have the chance to live the American dream and assimilate into our culture. But if you come here illegally, you're not welcome and you should be deported. Uh, when it comes to the efforts of Governor Abbott in Texas, I support him wholeheartedly. In fact, he's doing what his duty obligates to protect the people of Texas. Unfortunately, President Biden has not been doing what his duty obligates him to do and protect the people of this country. And so states have had to take matters into their own hands. Listen, when it comes to border security, there's nobody in this race that has a stronger voting record on this or a stronger record on this than I do. I actually served down there. A lot of candidates talk about being tough on border security. They may go down there for a photo op or a field trip. I served as part of a counter-narcotics task force working on the U.S.-Mexican border uh, as a member of the, the, the military, and um, I, I've got the plan for what we need to do. I've been clear that we need to deploy three divisions to the U.S.-Mexican border. That's the only entity capable of ending this invasion. Once we do that, we can complete the wall. We can make sure that we uh, have in place policies that don't incentivize people to come here illegally. That means we have to be firm on no amnesty. If you come here illegally, you should never be eligible for citizenship or birthright citizenship. You should not be eligible for the asylum process, and you should never receive government benefits. We have to be strong on this, not because we hate the people on the other side. We don't. That's a lie that the left tells. It's not because we hate anyone. It's because we love our country that we insist on our border being secure. Governor, uh, you know, uh, governments in Democratic-run cities like New York and Chicago have now been inundated with these illegals, migrants coming in. Governor uh, of Texas has been sending some, but actually the U.S. government is bringing them in by bus, by plane, and uh, so they're they're decrying what Governor Abbott has sent a few buses up there, but actually they've made their way to New York City and to the state of New York and to Chicago and Illinois by way of the U.S. government. And so the residents of those cities are saying, wait a second, the demand on our resources in our city are overrun already. We're not even able to help the people uh, in the city of Chicago, and you're bringing in all these migrants. So there's a lot of friction right now in the Democratic ranks about the sanctuary uh, city status. And um, the Democrats find themselves in between a rock and a hard place because they're created this situation. They're the ones that said, bring them all in, uh, trying you know, trying to uh, uh, register some of these illegals to actually vote. In fact, it was discovered that the shooter that was at the church on uh, Sunday of Texas was a— uh, was uh, a migrant, but was registered, and they weren't a U.S. citizen, and that was in down in Houston, Texas, a Democrat-run city. Uh, so this is a problem. What are your thoughts about that, about the Democrats now decrying, uh, at least in these big cities, and saying, what, what are we going to do with the, all these illegals that have come in? Well, first of all, it begs the question, uh, is it incompetence or is it intentional? Uh, one could draw the conclusion that the, the Democrats are intentionally flooding this country with people that they think could eventually be supporters of theirs? I, I don't know, and it certainly seems like that's what's happening. These uh, big city mayors in particular are complete hypocrites. They declare themselves a sanctuary city, and then they don't want to bear the burden that actually comes along with that. Chris, this past summer, I was on my Army Reserve duty. You know, I'm a reservist. I still serve as a sergeant first class in the Army, and I was in um, Denver, Colorado. Checked into my hotel room, was flipping through the local channels one night, and the mayor was holding a press conference complaining that Governor Abbott has sent busloads of migrants to Denver. Well, listen here, mayor of Denver, don't declare yourself a sanctuary city and then complain when people seek sanctuary in your city. Uh, what they're seeing is exactly why illegal immigration is such a problem. This is not just some you know, feel good kind of thing about wanting people to be able to, to live a better life. We don't have the resources to deal with all these migrants. And as you know, some of them are bringing with them drugs and crime that are literally killing our fellow Americans. 200 people a day are dying from fentanyl overdoses. That's why I've had the strongest stance of any case candidate in this race. When it comes to the cartels, we must declare them foreign terrorist organizations. The textbook definition is someone that's willing to kill Americans, and that's who these people are. And if we don't, if, if Mexico's not willing or able to stop these foreign terrorist organizations called cartels from bringing poison into our streets, we must act. And yes, that means, if necessary, taking lethal action against them.
We're talking with Frank LaRose. He is a candidate for the U.S. Senate on the March 19th primary. The deadline to update or register to vote, if you're needing to update your voter registration, is Tuesday, February 20th, and that's the deadline. So you want to do that before and make sure that your voter registration is up to date. Uh, And let me put my Secretary of State hat on. You can do that at VoteOhio.gov as long as you have an Ohio ID or driver's license. Uh, VoteOhio.gov is where you can get registered to vote. Maybe you know an 18-year-old in your family, somebody that just moved into town. Talk to them. Make sure they get registered to vote. And the day after that, Wednesday, the 21st, is when early voting starts. And so, um, you know, now's a, a time to start thinking about making your plan, whether you vote early or absentee or whether you vote on Election Day. Whatever you do, you got to make your voice heard. Absolutely. It is our right, it is our privilege, and it's our responsibility. Well, Frank, I want to ask you about, uh, let's turn the corner here a little bit on national security. Uh, Funding to Ukraine, in fact, right now before Congress, is a bill that the Democrats have put together in the U.S. Senate. And uh, President Biden made his pitch today for the Republican House to pick it up. It doesn't include any money for the border security on the southern border, yet it it includes a lot of money, uh, billions of dollars more for funding in Ukraine. Uh, Obviously, the Republicans aren't going to take up this bill. But uh, we have already spent over $100 billion in Ukraine. What is your position on continued funding in Ukraine? This so-called border security bill, and I say so-called because you can tell when the Democrats name a bill, it probably does the opposite. Kind of like the Inflation Reduction Act just spends trillions of dollars on green energy subsidies and doesn't actually reduce inflation. This is a question of priorities as well. We as a nation need to make sure that we secure our border. I've been clear that that is where we need to be spending our time and our resources. And this so-called border security bill is an absolute abomination. If you want to look at what's wrong with Washington, this is a classic example of it. It's full of all kinds of pet projects, including funding foreign wars. But uh, that's just the beginning of it. And it actually doesn't secure the border. In fact, it it creates an allowable number of illegal immigrants coming into the country. It says 5,000 a day. That's like saying we're going to permit 5,000 carjackings a day before we start enforcing them. It's a crazy idea. We need to be clear about securing our border, and that needs to be our priority, not funding something going on halfway around the world. Now, I've also been clear about this. As the world superpower, there are things we can do to enhance our national security, and those things are not being done. The Biden administration is not holding Russia accountable through sanctions like they should be. They're not uh, helping the Ukrainians in any other way other than throwing money at them, uh, and they refuse to put in place an inspector general. Anytime this kind of money is spent, there should be an independent inspector general that can look into it, audit the books, investigate fraud, The Democrats have opposed every effort the Republicans have engaged in to put an independent inspector general in charge of looking into where this money is going. I think that tells you something. We don't want to surrender to Vladimir Putin. That's not what Americans do. But continuing to shovel money at this problem is also not the solution. I think what we need to do is have a strong president in the White House. And I believe President Trump can end this war quickly, as he said he would, without surrendering to Russia. And that's the difference between me and and some of the others in this race is I don't believe in isolationism. I don't think that you can be a superpower and pretend the rest of the world doesn't matter. We have to be engaged in things, but we can't keep throwing American hard-earned money at a problem without a strategic plan to actually solve it and to solve it quickly. $34 trillion in the national debt, and the debt clock just keeps on spinning. Uh, In fact, our interest on the debt is growing in astronomical numbers. Uh, Runaway spending in Washington. What do you think Congress should do uh, to tackle the $34 trillion in national debt? Yeah, it's um, there's a there's a, a few things that are really driving that. Thirty four trillion dollars is an astronomical money. A trillion dollars is a thousand billion. So we're talking about thirty four thousand billion dollars in national debt. The four biggest drivers are Medicaid and Medicare, Social Security, defense spending, and then interest on the debt. So just borrowing money means you have to pay interest. Within the next couple of years, it is projected that the interest payments alone are going to be more than the entire defense budget. That's not sustainable. The left claims that we have to raise taxes. We don't have a revenue problem. In fact, as a component of GDP, which is the right way to look at this, 
federal revenues are at nearly an all-time high. Really, only a period around the world wars you saw a higher federal revenue as a component of GDP, meaning adjusted for inflation in that. Uh, so we don't have a revenue problem. We have a spending problem. And this seems to be the thing that Republican and Democrat elites in Washington agree on, is spending more of your harder money. This is why it's so crucial that we nominate the right candidate in March who can not only beat Sherrod Brown, but the last thing we want to do is send another corporate elite to Washington that just wants to be popular at the cocktail parties in D.C. We need to send somebody with a conservative track record who's actually going to cut spending and get this under control. And it won't be easy to do. Anybody that promises you you can fix the national debt within a period of years or even a decade uh, is, is, is selling you a bill of goods. This means putting it on a trajectory where over a few decades we can finally get this under control. That's the only way to do it in a sustainable way. But we have to begin now because this is generational theft. What we're saying, Chris, is we want to live beyond our means, and then we expect our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren to pay the bills. This is not how the world's most exceptional nation should operate. And budgeting by crisis has to end as well. A budget process should be a six-month-long analysis of where the money's going, a question of priorities, not waiting until the 11th hour and then cramming through something with a bunch of pork shoved into it in order to get people's votes. That's the way that the federal government's been running their budgets for the last few years. It must end. And we have to pass a balanced budget act. This is something that I've been a proponent of going back to my time in the state Senate. The federal government does not live within its means. And that's one of the things that's really driving this out of control inflation right now. Hard working men and women in Ohio that pay their taxes and they, they pay the bills and they're raising their families. They're the ones who are already paying for this and they're paying for it by way of high inflation. When they go to the grocery store, when they're uh, paying their rents, when they're uh, paying their mortgages, when they're paying their taxes, when they're paying anything right now, uh, those prices are up. This current government uh, has allowed for this uh, runaway inflation. In fact, uh, in a report here, private wages are growing at half the pace of inflation. Only government wages are surging. So, you know, Frank, what are we going to do about this? I mean, the, the, the American dream for middle class right now is starting to slip away. Uh, builders aren't building, banks aren't lending, uh, house, housing uh, prices have skyrocketed, and young families can't buy a home right now. In fact, I talked to my son, you know, the oldest of eight, and he said, you know, uh, the home I bought 10 years ago, I couldn't afford it today. Meaning, uh, in other words, and he's working the same job and all that, but what it would cost, because the, the house increased, and what his wages are, and what he would have to do to uh, secure a mortgage, he said, I couldn't afford my own home as it was that I bought 10 years ago. All these factors com com combined, obviously, you must be hearing that as you go on the campaign trail. What are you hearing from Ohioans as you go around the state? Yeah, that the Biden-Brown economy is hurting hardworking Ohio families. I mean, the, the knuckleheads in the liberal media are trying to convince us that Bidenomics is somehow a great thing. I was getting interviewed by a journalist a couple of days ago, and she was saying, oh, well, you know, according to economic statistics, the economy is really good. And I said, good for who? Maybe if you're one of these, you know, wealthy people that lives off of their stock portfolio, maybe you feel pretty good about this economy. But for normal families like ours, like my wife, Lauren, and me, and like your listeners, um, this economy is hurting our families because, again, as you said, the cost of everything is up, but wages aren't rising to keep up with it. I'll give you an example. I'm actually at the farm I grew up working on. I'm here to drop off some campaign yard signs right now, Bender's Farm in Copley, Ohio. And uh, for farmers like Mark, who runs this place, the cost of every input in his operation have gone up. But the amount of money he's making off of the crops he grows is not going up. So at the end of the month, there's a, there's a deficit there between how much you make and how much uh, you have to spend. And that's what's hurting families. We know how to fix an economy. It's not by hiring 80,000 IRS agents. It's not by spending trillions of dollars on green energy subsidies and calling it uh, inflation reduction. It's by getting the government out of the way, cutting taxes, streamlining regulations. This is one where I'm proven. I did this in the state Senate, fought government regulations. This is something I'm going to do in the U.S. Senate. There's a bill called the RAINS Act that will pull back the reins on the bureaucrats because some of the worst things that the government does to hurt our economy, regulations that make it impossible to drill for oil and gas, regulations that make it hard for farmers like Mark, whose place I'm at right now, 
to, to, to run their farms. These don't happen on the House floor or the Senate floor. They happen on the 20th floor of some federal office building where an unelected, unaccountable bureaucrat dreams up rules and regulations that have nearly the power of law behind them. We need to pull back the reins on these bureaucrats so we can unleash the American free market economy. We're talking with Frank LaRose. He is a candidate for the U.S. Senate on the March 19th primary ballot. And uh, we encourage you to get out and vote this primary. And it's coming very quickly again, March 19th. Super Tuesday with a number of states is March 5th. But uh, Ohio's primary is March 19th. More information about the election can be found uh, at the Secretary of State's website. Also, the Ohio Christian Alliance uh, will have some information there. We have we produce a nonpartisan voter guide, and that will be up uh, in the next 10 days as early voting will begin. And so we hope that you'll be informed and get out there and cast your vote. Uh Frank, as we talk about you know the various issues, this last year in Ohio, issue one, I want to change the corner here a little bit more to domestic policy and, and of course, on the social issues. Um, you know, something called the Reproductive Rights Act was passed. It was a radical left agenda. It was legalizing abortion to the ninth month of pregnancy. You, you were officially opposed to it. Uh, you went around the state uh, campaigning against issue one. And made that very clear that you're pro-life. Uh, but I'm just going to ask you the basic question I ask all the candidates. What is your position on abortion? I am um, unequivocally pro-life. I fought for life during my eight years in the state Senate and continue to Secretary of State. Chris, you saw this when we wrote the ballot language. Of course, we're restrained by the law. We have to write truthful ballot language. I changed the word fetus to unborn child. They took me to court over that. I changed the word pregnant patient to pregnant woman. I'm not a physician, but last I checked, it's only women that are pregnant. And so this is the kind of culture war that the left is engaging in. And let uh, let it be known that their position is the extreme position. They try to portray us as people of faith, as pro-life Ohioans. They try to portray us as the extremists. Sherrod Brown tries to do this. He is the one who supports an extreme agenda, and I'll be calling him out on that on the campaign trail. This is one of the reasons why, you know, I was able to earn the endorsement of Ohio Right to Life. I'm proud of that. Always have earned their endorsement over the years, by the way, because I have been a champion and I fought for life. I will do that in the U.S. Senate. I don't back down when it's an important fight. Uh, last year was an example of that. A lot of other Republicans were not out there fighting for this because they knew it was hard. Thank God, as a Green Beret, I never found myself alone on the battlefield fighting by myself. My teammates were always there with me. Last year, a lot of other Republicans abandoned this fight and uh, weren't doing the work that we needed to do to get this passed. And of course, as you know, we were outspent by massive amounts of money from California, New York, and Massachusetts. Uh, we've got a fight on our hands here in Ohio and in the nation. It's time that we make a stand for life. And again, the other side is extreme by supporting uh, late-term abortion, which is an absolutely abhorrent idea. Even for pro-choice Ohioans, if you talk to them about it, they would tell you uh, abortion in the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth month is just a, an absolutely crazy idea. Or taking a child uh, without their parents' knowledge and hustling them off to a Planned Parenthood facility. It's time that we take a stand on this like I have. I voted to defund Planned Parenthood, voted for the heartbeat bill, and have been an outspoken champion life. That's exactly what I will continue to be in the United States Senate. That's right. Our abortion laws that passed by ballot uh, measure last year uh, make Ohio the, the worst abortion laws in the country, radical than any other state currently, which is hard to believe after what California and New York did in the previous years and making us tantamount to North Korea. I think Ohioans are just waking up to that. This is going to be a battle in the courts, and the legislature uh, will find a way somehow to uh, defend some of the pro-life laws that are on the books, and they'll have to uh, fight for those in the courts, but uh, it's going to take another ballot measure, as we decried last year, to overturn what the Ohio voters voted. If they understand anything of the Constitution, you pass a constitutional amendment, it's in the Constitution, and only another constitutional amendment can amend or repeal it. So that's kind of what's before us. Pre appreciate your thoughts on that, uh, Mr. Secretary. So tell us uh, more about what you're hearing from voters as you travel the state. What are some of their concerns? Obviously, the border inflation. What are some of the concerns that they're expressing to you? 
Well, we talked about the border. We talked about the economy. The other one is parents' rights. And, and this is something where, again, I'm the only candidate in this race that has school-aged children. Lauren and I have an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 12-year-old. And we're not interested, we're not willing to co-parent with the government. We want our children to be raised with our values. We've got bureaucrats at the local, state, and federal level who think they know better. Biden's Secretary of Education, the guy that runs an agency that shouldn't exist, the U.S. Department of Education, said on national television just two months ago, he said, I don't respect these parents who misbehave at school board meetings because they think they know better than the experts how the children should be educated. Well, what arrogance. Listen here, Mr. Secretary of Education. Nobody knows better than the parents how their children should be educated. And we need to take a stand for parents' rights. This time uh, that we've seen, and some of us got to peek behind the curtain during COVID as we were looking over the shoulders of our children, seeing some of the things that were being taught, we want to insist that our children be educated and not indoctrinated. Teaching children to hate each other based on race is absolutely crazy. And teaching children to hate this country based on a false sense of our nation's history, that has to end. And as you know, the governor made a very bad decision as it relates to protecting children against what I would consider child abuse, subjecting a minor child to a gender transition is child abuse. Thank God the state legislature stepped in to overturn that. But it's time that we protect children. And we also need to stand up for safety and competition in in sports. Uh, You've heard me say this. My daughters could beat the boys on the basketball court but they shouldn't have to. The only way for sports to be safe and fair is for girls to compete against girls and boys to compete against boys. Frank LaRose running for U.S. Senate in the March 19th primary. Real quick, Mr. Secretary, how can folks find you on your campaign website? Yeah, that's franklarose.com. You can sign up to support us financially. You can become a volunteer, get a yard sign, all those things at franklarose.com. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you, Chris, and God bless, and the same to your listeners. God bless each and every one of you. Please pray for this nation. Uh, We really need it. Absolutely. And thank you all for listening. Again, just to remind you that uh, the Ohio Christian Alliance doesn't endorse or support any political party or candidate, but provides this information uh, for you, the voter, for informational purposes only. Thanks for listening. If you missed any of today's broadcast, you can hear it on our website at ohioca.org. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is brought to you by the Ohio Christian Alliance.